To God be the glory. Hallelujah. The book of 2 Kings in the 6th chapter. Thank you for standing and thank you for being in church today. Oh my. Everybody say my, my. Uh, aren't you thankful? For the overwhelming presence of God in this house this day. Amen. Hallelujah. Now today I will continue on with what I began last week. I started talking to you about a place called Dothan, the first part, and today we will continue on this part to a place called Dothan. Um, my, I feel just the presence of the Lord, and I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. And I trust that before we leave this house, you will understand why the presence of the Lord is in this place. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. This is the king of Syria speaking there. And the man of God, now speaking of Elisha, sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God had told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once or twice, many times. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. This is Elisha now speaking to his servant. Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Let's talk about a place called Dothan. Father, I love you and I thank you. You are worthy and you are wonderful, God, and I glorify you, and I pray that you are worshiped in this house and praised, and Lord, that we would be surrendered and submitted to you and that we would be saved yet again this day by your word. I thank you, God, that you are for us and that you are with us and you are not against us, and Lord, help us to see this today more clearly and understand and hear your word. Save some soul today that is desperately in need of saving. I pray and ask this humbly. Anoint me and anoint this people in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Now, four people around you need you to smile at them and say hello and greet them and bless them, compliment them and encourage them. So make your way across the aisle and introduce yourself to somebody. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace.
on the streets of glory. Let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Yes, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. And on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It was said of Israel. Please hear this. It was said of Israel that when the manna fell that was given to them by God, that it was not done just to fill their bellies, to put to silence their hunger and their murmuring and their complaining, but it was done to prove them. Look at this. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Whatever the taste or, or texture was, whether they liked it or not, whether they wanted to get up and go get it before the sun was up and was hot and it melted, as the word said, would they gather, would they gather enough on, on the sixth day to sustain them through the Sabbath of the seventh? Would they trust the Lord and be thankful for the promised provision in front of them and simply obey and honor his word? It wasn't just about, it wasn't just about the bread that they would bake from it, no. It wasn't about them getting what they wanted. It was about proving them. The manna was about proving Israel. Revealing, in other words, what was in their heart, showing and seeing if they would gather and eat and obey what God was putting in front of them. There are times, there are times that God allows, I will venture to say there are times that God even puts us in places that try the metal that we are made of. To prove us, to put us to the fire, and to see what is really in our heart and will it be that we are purged from the impurities that often rest there and are comfortable to prove if we will get up, to prove if we will get up and get the manna, eat the food that's put in front of us, choose to gather instead of just expecting it to be served to us. Because like manna that melts and gets worms, if we're, if we're not consuming and acting on, we miss the moment of the proving that is put in front of us and get lost in our own wandering away from the will of God. 
If we don't respond to the proving at the moment that is put in front of us, it will spoil, it will get wormy, and we will begin to wander away from the will of God that he has put to us. That is what Dothan was. That's what Dothan was, as it was said last week. The name Dothan simply meant two wells. There were two wells to choose from, two mined-out water sources that would ultimately be lived on and lived by. An example, an example, the New Testament said. Uh, an example for us to live by, a metaphor, a type uh, to learn and, and, and to live on and to, to live by. Dothan was a metaphor, us to, metaphor for us to understand. Only mentioned twice in the Word. But each event that played out there in Dothan demonstrated that we always, everybody understand this, we always have a choice. We're always given the chance to live from one well or the other. We are always given the choice to decide which will it be. Will it be sin and self, the satisfying of our own want and will, or will it be the well of the Spirit, Jesus, the Word, the one well that will never run dry? The brothers of Joseph had to choose. I talked about it last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go watch it on YouTube or listen to it on the podcast to understand more greatly. The brothers of Joseph had to choose. And they tried to kill and bury the promise that would ultimately save them there in Dothan. Because there is always a choice. We either live or die by our choices. It was no different for the servant of Elisha in Dothan. The king of Syria wanted to know who it was that was betraying him in, in his company of men. For it would be that whenever he warred against Israel, the king of Israel would know he would know where it, where it was that he would be and he would escape out of, out of the hand of, of Israel. His men told him there, there, was no, there was no traitor in their camp, but rather that God would speak to Elisha and he would tell the king of Israel all that was said by the king of Syria, even in his bedchamber. So the king of Syria sent a great army, the word said, to Dothan, where Elisha and his servant were. Morning came. Now walk with me. Morning came, and the servant of Elisha rose up and looked and seen that they were that point surrounded by a host of chariots and horses and army from Syria. When he returned to Elisha and told him of the opposing army that was against them that had surrounded them, his words revealed the very nature that is within us all. Look at this, if you would. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host to compass the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, alas, my master, how shall we do? Alas, my master, how shall we do? We've all been there, every one of us in this place, man in the pulpit, everybody in the pew. We've all been there. We have all said it, just not in the King James Version. We've all said it in some way. Jesus what in the world are we going to do? How, how in the world is this going to be get better? What, we are going, I am going to die. Uh, we're surrounded more of them than more of us. The doctor's diagnosis, walk with me. The doctor's diagnosis, the pain that just won't heal, the constant conflict in the home, the weariness in body, yet it does not compare to the weariness that ultimately comes to be in the mind. The fear that you fight on a daily basis, the feelings of shame and the cycle of sin that you have been and possibly could be 
caught in. The alcohol, the drugs, the thoughts, the addiction, the abuse, the depression, the defeat, the discouragement. It's all we can see. It's all we feel like that we are constantly and continually surrounded with. The odds against us, the numbers stacking up, no hope and no way out. And so we let out the cry of our carnal calculations. What are we going to do? I can't, I can't make, come on, you ever said it? Maybe you didn't say it out loud, but somewhere in the cry of your heart and your mind, when you buried your head in prayer at the end of the day, you said, oh God, what am I going to do? I'm not going to make it. I can't make it, Jesus. I'm not going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to breathe today. I don't want to face anybody. I want to stay in bed, pull the covers over my head. I want to walk away. I don't want to answer the phone. I don't want to deal with anybody. Anybody understand what I'm saying right now? We've all been there. And this is what he said. And he answered. And he answered. And he answered. Somebody. And he answered. And he answered. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Really, in all truth, everybody hear me right now. There is really nothing more that needs to be said. I'm going to say more. But... But there's really nothing more that needs to be said. If, if we would just get a hold of that and believe and trust that word of God, that would be enough. We could have an altar call. Everybody should pray through. And everybody should know that I don't have to fear. Huh? If I could just get that down in my head, Brother Lucas, amen. If I could just get that in my heart, I don't have to fear. Amen. I don't, have to, I don't have to constantly be afraid and running around and wondering and worrying and stressing and having anxiety. Amen. Fear not. Our hope is housed in those two words. Fear not. The answer to the unseen, the cure for your anxiety, and the outcome of the unknown. Fear not. We live in a culture that is captivated by fear. We are constantly on the run, running from something or running to something, thinking that that is the answer from what's back there. No, can I tell you, it's never the answer, but Jesus is. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. We count and we calculate through carnal means that make us feel, everybody stick with me right now. We count and we calculate through carnal means that make us feel in control. Sizing up the situation so that we can plan our way through it or we can negotiate our way out of it. Give our excuses that make us feel better about our justifications in the way that we live or the way that we feel. Did I lose anybody there? But sometimes there is no way that we can get through it. Sometimes there is no way that we can get around it and sometimes there is no way that that we can escape it without the divine intervention of God. Amen. And Elisha prayed. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. It must have been that they, Elisha and his servant, were in a valley. A valley surrounded by physical flesh uh, hindrances to spiritual perception and progression. But when Elisha prayed for the eyes of his servant, to be uh, servant to be open he saw that the mountain not the valley was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha there was more of him God than there was of them the enemy it matters it matters today what you are looking at it matters where you look it matters what you put your trust in it matters which well you decide you're gonna drink from continually 
Look at this, if you would, please. I know this is simple, this is not profound, but it is still the truth. The thing that we look for, we ultimately see. Come on, take a picture, write it down, get it in your mind. The thing that we look for is the thing that we're going to ultimately see. I remember, I remember when I, uh, the first time that I walked, well, I don't remember the first time too well, but I remember the second time. I remember the second time when I walked up to the, to the Grand Canyon on, on its edge. I, I did not say, well, that's just a big hole in the ground. Anybody? Uh, you remember the first time you saw the Rockies or the Smokies or whatever? Huh? Some mountain, you remember it? No, you just can't walk up to those things and say, well, that's just a big hill. Right? You ever stood on the edge of the shoreline of an ocean somewhere? And you, you cannot say, well, I've seen, I've seen bigger mud puddles. You can't do that. Come on. If you do, you're lying. And lying will send you to hell. Right? That's what the word says. Uh, no, those things, when you walk up to the edge of those, and if you're really looking at them, those things take your breath away. They are bigger and they are better. It matters. It matters what you are looking for. It matters where you are looking. It matters who you are looking at. If, if you look for problems, then I can tell you you're going to find them. If you want to be critical, there's plenty to choose from around here. If you want to find fault with somebody, you're going to find it. When you want a new car, you can find everything wrong with the old one. You, you can accept the defeat, give up to the diagnosis, possess the pain, create more conflict in the home, stay stuck in, I'm preaching, stay stuck in the cycle of sin and shame, give into the addiction and the depression and the defeat, or you can drink from the well that will not run. Try. <laughs> we can choose to see what is for us and not against us. We can look up and see that God has us surrounded and the devil doesn't stand a chance. Hear me right now. Give, give us one chariot of fire, just one, and we can take on a whole army. Uh, one praying saint can move mountains. One faithful word can change the course of a life. One service can be the time when you are saved. It can be one moment of prayer that heals your body forever. Anybody believe this right now? Amen. We sang it just a second ago. Amen. Whenever somebody, whenever, uh, whenever a flesh uses, allows a spirit to use them to cut. Now, now listen, I'm not talking about me right now. Uh, I'm going to mention me, but I'm really not talking about me because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I deserve anything. I think that everything that I get from God is just by his wonderful grace and mercy, his compassion. Uh, I didn't work my way into this. I'm not going to be able to earn my way into this, and I don't deserve any blessing of God. But I understand this. When a spirit working through a flesh comes at me, there's a thought that always crosses my mind. Do you know what you're doing? Are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to say that? It's not because I think I'm anything. It's just simply because I know whose I am. I know that there's an angel of the Lord that encampeth round about me. Those that fear the Lord. Come on. Some of you, you need to lift up your head and realize who you are and whose you are. Because there is more for you than there is against you. 
If we're constantly looking at the depression, the defeat, and all that's wrong around us, we're going to see that. But I'm going to look up. Why? Because all it takes is one chariot of fire, one praying saint, one positive word, one word of God, one moment in his presence that can change the destiny of every life forever. <laughs> we always have a choice. Everybody, we always have a choice. We always have a choice in how we will live and look at things. We'll always choose from which well we drink from. If you keep looking down, all you will see is what the flesh tells you that you will be defeated by. If you're constantly looking at the defeat, if you're constantly looking at what you feel surrounded with, and there are times, I will, I will, I'll be honest with you, there are times that I feel surrounded in my flesh. That I feel like I'm not going to make, I feel like that servant of God, servant of the man of God. I feel like, oh, alas, master, what shall we do? Oh, God, how are we going to fix this? Oh, God, what are we going to do? Oh, God, I'm going to die. I don't think I can make it another day. I don't think I can, I don't think I can take another step. Then all of a sudden, he tells me to look up and reminds me that he is for me and not again. Come on, we are, now I believe this today. I don't know about you, I, I'm, just, I'm just preaching the word. I believe this today, that in this house, we are encamped about with a great cloud of witnesses. I believe that there is more in the reality of, of the supernatural and the spirit than there is the physical realm that you and I are dwelling in right now. I believe that we are, we, we, they're just, we've got a host of witnesses. I believe that there are angels in this place, but more than all that, I believe that the presence of God is in this house and there is none greater than God Almighty. And so today, if you walked in here depressed and defeated, feeling pain in your body and your life, I'm telling somebody, look up because the one that is for you is greater than he that is against you. Amen. If you keep looking down, all you're going to see is what the flesh and the enemy wants you to see. See what's broken, what's wrong. See what seems to be against you on a continual basis. Constantly being the one that comes in the room and it gets a little bit darker. Or somebody, somebody shirks away from you because they don't want to hear the negativity. Amen. You don't have to buy into that spirit of the world. That's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That's the spirit that works through the prince and the power of the air. If you digest that junk all day long, that's ultimately what you're going to spew out. Now, I feel like I'm, I'm feeling very preachy today. Are we okay? Um, if you digest that stuff all day long, if you listen to that stuff all day long, if you read that stuff all day long, if it's constantly in your mind, it's going to get in your vocabulary. And can I tell you, we don't serve, we don't serve the world. We don't serve politics. We don't serve the culture. We serve Jesus. And so I'm not going to march to the rhythm of the world. I'm not going to buy into what it's trying to say. I'm not going to look at the chariots of the horses that it has. I'm going to look at the chariots of fire that he has. I'm going to see what the Spirit can do because can I tell you, I can count and I can calculate in my mind how I think the outcome will be on what will or will not be by how I estimate it and how you estimate it. But the truth of the matter is, God is bigger than any addition that I can put in my head. And God can do beyond what I could think or ask for. Why? Because nothing, we sang about this also today, nothing is impossible with God. You prayed a prayer last night and you think that it's just going to stay the way it is? No. If you really believe God and we're two or three are gathered together in his name, anything that we touch and ask for, God can do it. God can change the course, amen, of your life right now before you leave this house. If you are not filled with the Holy Ghost, God can fill you with the Holy Ghost. 
If you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, we can baptize you in the name of Jesus and your sins can be washed away. If you've not repented, you can turn your life around right now. Why? Because that's the goodness of God that's at work for you. <laughs> Somebody needs to get their head up. Okay. If, if you look up, there's a great host of witnesses that we are surrounded with. When Jesus healed the blind man, I'm almost done. When Jesus healed the blind man by spitting on his eyes, let me stop right there and say something. Never despise the spitting of the Lord. It might humble you, but it will always heal you. Uh, I don't know. Anybody get that? Don't despise. If God decided he wants, <laughs> I know we don't like to think this way because our flesh doesn't want this. But if God decides to spit on you so that you can see, don't despise it. Be thankful that he loves you enough that he'll spit on you to humble you just so he can save you. Because I've seen from the perspective of the pulpit that our flesh can get us high and lofty and think we can do and say and be whatever we want to do and say and be. And then all the Lord, all of a sudden, the Lord has a unique way of bringing the balance back to our life and reminding us that he's the one in control and that he will be glorified. Amen. And can I tell you, if that's his will to show us that through that, then be thankful that the Lord is humbling you enough to save you, loving you enough to chastise you. Being merciful enough for the trace to remind you that you wouldn't be here today were it not for my grace. Somebody ought to lift a hand and say, thank you, Jesus. And so, the blind man looked up. You know this, I've talked to you about this, about progressive revelation. And I do believe that that particular scripture is about progressive revelation and so much more. The blind man came. Jesus spit on the ground. He spit in his eyes. The blind man, he asked him, how do you see? The blind man said, I see ministries walking. This was a man that was blind from his birth. Do we have an understanding of that? This is important to understand. He was blind from his birth. He didn't see things as they should be seen. You could have held out an apple to him, and if he closed his eyes, he could have told you by touch that it was an apple. Because he had learned to palpitate what it was. But if he looked at an apple sitting there, he could not have told you that it was an apple. Because he had never seen an apple. He only identified an apple by touch. He could not identify it by sight because there was no concept. There was no parallel. And so Jesus looked at him and said, how do you see? Well, I see men as trees walking. Come on. None of us, man in the pulpit, everybody, we don't have it all wrapped up and we don't see all things clearly. We can put our hands on it in the flesh and think we know better. But God sees in a way and heals in a way that, restore, that brings our vision to a place to where we can see as he wants us to see. The way that he created us and meant for us to see. Everybody still with me? And so he said, how do you see? I see ministries walking. And so Christ came back and touched the blind man again and then said, told him to, you can go to the word. I don't think I, did I give you that scripture? No? You can go to the word and read this. He told him to look up. That's what he said in the word. Look up. And when the blind man looked up, Jesus said, now how do you see? And he said, well, I see all men clearly. Wow. He, had to change, he had to change his perspective from looking how he had thought it was to where, to where and how God wanted him to see it. Come on. Come on, if you are looking down, God is trying to touch, he's been trying to touch us through this entire service today. 
Instead of looking down, go on musicians. Instead of looking down, why don't you look up and let God help you to see all things as they should be seen. Jesus touched him the second time, made him look up, and when he looked up, he started to see things clearly. If you are not looking up and seeing things as Jesus wants you to see him, the victory and salvation and healing he has for you, then ask him today. I'm asking you to pray this prayer. If you're not seeing things clearly, pray this prayer in this altar today. God, I need you to touch me again and again and again and again and again and again, however long it takes God for me to finally get to see things the way that you want me to see them. Because can I tell you, seasoned saints, whether this is your first day, whether this is the hundredth year you've been in this church, everybody needs a touch of God again and again and again and again. Amen. Because I know what's going to happen as soon as you walk out that door, as soon as I walk out that door. When you get to Monday morning or Tuesday evening, Come Wednesday night, you're going to start feeling, oh, I don't think I can make it. Alas, master, how shall I do? And those thoughts begin to creep back into your mind and in your heart. And you feel like that the pain's never going to go away and the problem's always going to be there. And the discouragement, it will never be lifted from you. The depression, it's just a badge you're just going to have to wear for the rest of your life. But I'm telling you, those that are for us are greater than those that are against us. I am not looking at what is gone. I am looking at what he has given. Everybody hear me on that. I am not looking at what is gone. I am looking at what he has given. And he has given us great things. He has done great things. He is a mighty God and he has done great things. Come on, somebody ought to be on their feet right now. And somebody ought to say, God, help me to see that which surrounds me. Amen. It's minuscule to you, God, who is for me. Come on, all over this house. You ought to be stepping out of your pew right now. Somebody ought to be saying, God, I'm not going to be defeated by the enemy that makes me feel like I'm surrounded. I'm not going to drink from that well anymore. I'm going to drink from the well of life. I'm going to be sustained, God, and saved by the thing that you have for me, not against me. Come on, right now, lift your voice and lift your hands and lift your heart. Come and repent. Come and be baptized in his name and come be filled with the Spirit and let God heal your situation. Hallelujah. Come on, pray right now. Pray right now. Lift your voice, God. You are the answer. You are the one. You are the Savior. You are the Redeemer. You are the one that saves me. You are the ones that saves my children. You are the one that saves me from hell. You are the one that heals me. You are the one, God, that will sustain me in the dry days that come to my life. You, Lord, never leave me. You, Lord, never forsake me. God, you never abandon me. You are good, and you are righteous, and you are holy. Amen, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, pray it right now. If the doctor told you something this week that you can't live with, amen. And I'm telling you, look to the one that can make you live. If a phone call came this week that made you feel like that you can't go on, I'm telling you, God is greater.